Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, we're getting right back to the summer scouting series with the interior defensive lineman. I know it wasn't interior defensive line, but we saw in last year's NFL draft how defensive line is such a priority. And if you can get after the quarterback, if you can be a dominant presence on the D-line, <laughs> you're going to get paid and you're going to get drafted high. I know there's one name that everybody can't wait for us to talk about here for interior defensive linemen, but there is a host of other names that I want to bring to the table, not just first round guys, but throughout what we think is going to be the 2023 NFL draft. There's a lot of guys, a lot of different shapes and sizes as we've seen on the defensive line. So there's a lot to discuss. Let's get right to it. I'm Trevor. That's Connor. Let's ring the bell. Opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange podcast. I'm Trevor Sigma. That is Connor Rogers joining you guys on a Thursday edition in the summer, which means it's time to get back to summer scouting. This episode is all about the interior defensive line. And if you missed the edge rushing episode where we got first into the defensive line, pop back. You can listen to that. That was last Thursday's episode. But now around and now we're we'll get to the rest of the big boys, the guys up front. We're getting to some interior defensive linemen as we keep our eyes on the 2023 NFL draft and the 2022 college football season. Connor, how are we feeling going into uh week two of D line scouting here for, uh, for this little exercise that we have. How you doing my friend? Feeling good, man. This is obviously going to be a fun group today. Uh, all of them have been, obviously, I think everybody's excited to hear about a certain player in this group, but getting away from that, I, I, I have to say I'm, and I know you feel the same way, blown away by the response of the part one of the expansion episode. Oh, I mean, dude. Unbelievable response, the interaction, people making their teams. Uh, even if I didn't write back to you or Trevor didn't write back to you, we're reading all of them. We yep. are. We love that you guys are engaged with the fact that there could be cap compliant, the different rules, the things that you want to see that we didn't follow uh, in case we ever do this again to maybe tweak some of the format. But Man, it was my favorite show of the summer, yep. and I'm so glad that everyone felt the same way. So this is, I mean, I thought that this idea was going to be cool, right? I wouldn't I wouldn't have been doing an idea with you if, if we didn't think that it was going to be cool, but you guys have already taken this thing to another level with creating the, your, your, your own teams before we get to next Monday's episode and finalize our own draft. If you guys are listening, you, you didn't listen to this past Monday's episode, go back and listen to it. It was genuinely one of the most fun episodes, podcast episodes I've literally ever done. Not just for this podcast, not during the, just during the summer. It was a lot of fun getting to uh, set the stage for the expansion draft. If you guys missed it, if you aren't following the NFL Stock Exchange Twitter account, you need to do that because if you didn't, then you missed it. If you want to kind of do your own expansion draft before Connor and I do ours, the stipulations that we landed on, since we were kind of all over the place during the episode, like, oh, maybe we'll do this. Oh, maybe we'll do this. It's hard. Confuse the shit out of them the whole time. But yeah, it's true. Uh, the, it's true. The rules that we settled on are we're going to draft one player from every team. So we're not going to fill out the full roster because the more I thought about it, the more I was like researching like what the Houston Texans did they only drafted 19 players. It's not like they drafted a, a full team from the NFL because if you, yep. if, if they would have done that, it actually would have been really unfair. It would have been probably the deepest team in the NFL. So we're only going to have them pick one player from every team in this exercise. It could be offense or defense, but we've got to form a starting 22, and then we've got 10 reserve players, okay? And then the other stipulation that we have in there because we wanted to 
make it a little bit more challenging, a little bit more of a strategy exercise is we've got to stay under 60% of what the league cap is, which is if you take 208.2 million, which is what the league salary cap is right now, 60% of that is 125.2. So if you guys are out there doing your own exercise, those 32 players that you draft have to be under 125.2 million cap. That's what it's got to be total. And that's a lot more than what the Houston Texans got because the rule for them was they couldn't go over 38% of the salary cap. A lot of what the Houston Texans had to do came in the draft, obviously having the first pick in the draft, and then a lot of undrafted free agents. But we didn't want to do this exercise and fill most of the team with undrafted free agent guys that you guys don't even know that you don't have an attachment to. So I get it. It's it's not as realistic it was as it would probably be in real life, but this is probably a more fun way for us to do it. So those are the official rules that we'll go into with Monday. Yeah, I think the point is, you know, would we love to have it down to an exact science? So from when this day comes, it's like, yeah, we did this already. Like, this is what it's going to look like. Like, I, I think, sure, in a sense, but also there is an entertainment aspect of this that we want to show which players from a team could be expendable for certain reasons, right. maybe. Right. Like, look, we went through it, like the Bills and the Chiefs are the two that come off the top of my head. They're just too talented. They're going to lose a good player. Right. That might not even be an expensive player. They're just going to lose a good player. But then you look at it from a perspective like, why wouldn't an expansion team claim J.J. Watt, who, you know, or uh, Kenny Galladay, right? Guys that are really expensive, that are hurt a lot at this point in their career, but could still be the face of a new franchise or mm-hmm. uh, can be an impact player if everything went perfectly. Because that risk of that money doesn't really matter to an expansion team. And the team that's losing them might be like, we didn't protect them because we want to lose that money. So it's just kind of showing, you know, a little look behind the curtain of a lot of different scenarios rather than trying to perfect. This is what the next NFL team would look like today. Yeah, that was, it was, it was an exercise. It was a lot of fun to do. You guys blew up the YouTube comments about it and I read every single one of them. It was awesome. You guys are, I mean, you you were taking this idea to the next level. I love you for it. That's what makes doing this podcast so much fun is that you guys are sitting there basically involved in a podcast with us. Y'all are co-hosts just like we're co-hosts here in front of the microphone. And so we're going to try to take a lot of the screenshots that you guys have if you drafted your own team and we're going to try to read them on the show next episode after we draft ours so we can see like which ones we liked what strategies you guys went with who you picked up who were some common players that everybody's picking up all that kinds of stuff it's going to be a lot of fun on next monday's episode when we kind of finalize it but uh we got we got a couple of days until then but right now we got to talk about interior defensive linemen but before we jump in uh got a little question out there for all the gentlemen you guys try for gold in your life, right? Gold medals, gold watches, gold everything. However, I do have to say there is a certain type of man who goes the extra mile, walks in the confidence of an eagle, giggles in the face of danger. He is a big, hairless, winning machine, and when he unzips his pants, he sees platinum. That is right. Manscaped would like to introduce to you their biggest, best ultimate hygiene package, yet the Platinum Package 4.0. Our friends over at Manscaped, They're the leader in below-the-waist grooming. Now you can trust them with the whole shebang. You can join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com, using the promo code PFF, and getting 20% off, plus free shipping. Manscaped's brand-new Platinum Package 4.0 is the biggest, best bundle they have ever given you, now for a bulk discount on their top products. Get 20% off and free shipping using that promo code PFF or manscaped.com. It's time that you enjoy the finer things in life and get yourself a Platinum Package for your platinum 
package. Uh, if you guys have been listening to uh, the summer scouting, you know how it goes. Connor and I are going to give our top fives here, preseason top fives for the interior defensive linemen. We'll start at number five. We'll go all the way down to number one, and then we'll give some shout-outs to some guys that just missed the list as well. So, Connor, I'll let you start. As always, who you got at number five here for the interior D-line group? Number five for me was a breakout player from last year, and that is Colby Wooden from Auburn. Oh, nice, nice. That, um, you know, is an interesting player when you just look at him right away being 6'5", 280. That is not your prototypical interior D-line build all the time. But starting with Colby Wooden here, uh, moved all over the place on the D-line. I think they actually like that hybrid body type with him because they feel like he has... Some of the quicks to play to kick out a little bit and then some of the power that they could trust them as a shade nose when needed or uh, a three tech, obviously. But he quickly gets off the ball for his size. Plenty of pop in his always active hands. I think that's the main thing for me here with Wooden is that I just thought he had very active hands where he was always trying to make something happen on the rush or working against the run. Motor is legit. He even worked through a few triple teams to land effort sacks that I saw Mm -hmm. that... You know, especially at the college level, I think some people look at that and go, man, that's not really a skill. It's not really translatable. It's not draftable. At some point it is when you're getting a triple team and the quarterback is taking a deep drop. Some guys just stand there and go, man, I'm taking on three guys. Somebody else has to win, which I get for this guy. He kept working. He kept working. He kept moving. He's a little bit dancing bear, kept moving uh, inside, outside. The quarterback would scramble wide. He would have the vision to see that and he'd go chase him down. So I really liked that aspect of his game. I wrote he could probably play at 300 pounds. There's room to put more mass on his frame. I don't. I understand why he's not doing that at Auburn right now. I think they like him where his weight is at. I think his body is fine. I think that they like him in that hybrid role. But if an NFL team looks at him and goes, "Man, we want you to, you know, kick in a little bit more and play above 300," or we want you to be a 300 pound three tech, he has the body to do it. So he wears this giant arm brace. You can't miss him. He's got the bionic arm. It's like that J.J. Watt <laughs> arm. But he was a player for me, Trev, that I liked his effort. Uh, I liked his versatility. And I thought he put up, he did some damage in the SEC last year. He was very active and very productive, both as a effort rusher, an active rusher, and as a somewhat responsible run defender. So he, he was someone to me that I, I thought was well worthy of this list. It's not I haven't seen him getting a lot of hype, preseason hype, but he was a quiet breakout player for the Tigers last year. Yeah, so I know I know Mike wrote him up. I didn't get a chance to get eyes on him for this exercise, so I definitely need to, especially after what you said there about him being a worker in the trenches. And I think that's, man, it, it, it is such a trait. It, it's a trait that is so important is probably just the best way to say it because playing in the trenches has got to suck, man. I, I mean, Dude. I am... Five foot ten, 170 pounds. We're six five, two sixty. Like I've never in my life at any point been considered the whether you're playing recess football or flag football or whatever. Nobody has ever looked at me and said, Hey, you play like on the defensive line or offensive line or anything like that. So I've never personally experienced playing in the trenches, but it looks brutal. You're just getting beat up every single snap. And to take that kind of physical punishment and yet for the motor to run hot at all times, I just think is is a 
mental advantage for a lot of these guys that have that ability to just continue to work, continue to have the motor run really hot. So that that's definitely something that I I, I love watching guys like that. So he's definitely a player that uh, th- that I've got to watch. Uh, number five on my list, I've got uh, Gervin Dexter, the D- interior defensive lineman from Florida. Incredible frame, man. Six foot five, 300. And they've got him listed at 318 pounds. I think he probably played closer to 300 when he was at I Florida. thought the same thing. I didn't think he had that kind of weight he, on film. I He's gained weight during the summer. And I think okay. they updated his weight okay. profile to that. I think, I believe he was a lot closer to that round 300 number when he was playing. Because you see that. I, I think you definitely see that on film that you go that that that's not a 320 pound guy now he carries his weight really well anyways yeah, he that's, does. that's something that i have in the scouting report whether you want to say that he's 300 305 pounds on the tape or whether you want to say like he's 315 it doesn't matter he's carrying it incredibly well he looks like a true athlete playing nose tackle and you just yep. do not see that very often he's got the length at six foot five, that's uh, that's very unique for him. There, five star defensive tackle. He was a unanimous five star, I believe, in recruiting from Lake Wells, Florida. Uh, I read that in high school, he led the entire state in sacks when he got fifteen sacks in just ten games of the regular season. His senior season uh, also qualified for the uh, state track and field championships in the discus throw. So I made I, I had to make sure to give that little uh, background shout out to him. There as well. Strength and weaknesses with Gervin Dexter outside of the obvious frame advantages that he have that he has, and me saying that he's extremely well built as a player. Uh, the athletic build at a massive size, arm length is a huge advantage when engaging at the snap, especially in run defense. He is able to get his hands up and into offensive linemen, hold them at that point from a distance, create that separation to where they really can't break that grip. They really can't get into his chest while he is continuing to keep his eyes in the backfield, wondering whether I'm shedding to the right, I'm shedding to the left, whatever it is. He just has such an advantage because of that length, keeping offensive linemen at bay. And unless they're really churning those legs and really pushing him back, he often can stand strong in that area and he makes the most out of his length, which I really uh, like to see. He's got the pass rush ability. Uh, as I've said, he, he you note the athleticism to him. It's just not very often you get a player with his length, with his build that's playing as a zero-tech, a one-technique kind of a player that's shading off the center. And so the athletic ability, the ability to one-gap right in between the center and the guard, that just doesn't come around very often. So all of that is strengths to his profile. Doesn't have a ton of experience or I will say consistency with success right now. I think it's come, we mm-hmm. kind of get into areas to improve. The biggest area, Connor, for for me with with Dexter, and I'm curious, I, I whether he's in your top five or whether you're going to talk about him. I wrote him up. He, I mean, he's got to disengage quicker, yes. man. Yes. There's there there's so many that's there are so many reps where I watched a handful of games of him, and it's like okay. We hike the ball at the snap, even if you're not pinning your ears back on a true pass rush rep. There are opportunities for you to throw the defender off, which yes. I've seen him do many times. But it's just like the play is happening and it's moving, and it's just uh, he is a second too late when disengaging from the offensive lineman. And you can see it in his head when it clicks. He will push, pull you. He will rip you to the side. He will swipe your hands away. He will do a club rip and get right by you. He knows how to get past these interior offensive linemen, but he doesn't do it quick enough. 
it's like he's just a it's like he's a step late when you would want him to disengage and anticipate shed the block get into the backfield go make the play so man i just feel like that's the biggest area for him is he's got to disengage a lot quicker i also have written has to be able to get the hands where they need to be hit a move get into the backfield showing the athletic ability he just does not do it quickly enough to be an impactful guy i also said this and it would make sense that he gained weight I don't think he plays strong enough for a guy who plays nose tackle. Like if it, like if you if you want to teach him to be a true one gap penetrating three technique player, okay, move him, move him there. If you are going to keep him at nose, which look, Florida can do whatever the hell they want. We know these schools aren't exactly in the business of making these guys as the best pros possible. They're trying to create the biggest mismatches they can. Certainly, Gervin Dexter playing in the middle as a nose tackle is a massive disadvantage for how unique he has a build. But he cannot play nose tackle at, at the weight that he was last year or the strength profile that he was last year. He'll get blown off the ball every time any, any kind of duo or double team comes his way. So... I thought he was a little bit out of position last year. I thought he was a little too timid when it came to disengaging blocks. When I watched Dexter, it is in no way a lack of ability or gifts from him. It's simply, I think he's got to play a different position or he's got to be a little bit bigger. One of the two, something I just has to change for him moving forward to get the most out of his potential. Man, you nailed it. And I'm glad that he's your number five because I was between him and Wooden for my number five. And I went with the... I went with the guy that has a higher floor. Dexter has a much higher ceiling. Mm-hmm. And he when people say a ball of clay, this is kind of the guy they often are talking about, this type of player that you can write down things that he's not good at right now, and they are very true. And I agree with you. I wrote that he needs to play with a little more power and just better leverage. Yeah. The leverage, that's when he gets lost, Trev, that he's lost in the play, uh, lack of leverage. But it's funny to me. Like, you turn on a game like the Missouri game, and there was one other game where that happens a lot. Then you watch him at Alabama, where they stick his butt right at zero tech. Zero mm-hmm. against Alabama, the worst yep. place on earth that anybody listening to this show can be. Right <laughs> over the head of the center. And he he does a really good job. He's yep. moving people. He's disengaging. So and he's a young guy. I think he was a true sophomore last year. He was. And when you yes. factor that in, it's really impressive for me, a guy that was not you're right. He was not playing at 318 last year. I would be surprised if he was over 300 pounds last year. And they put him at nose and shade nose, snap after snap after snap in the mm-hmm. SEC. That is not easy for a you know 19-year-old at the time that is that is still gaining weight and getting stronger. When he sees red, when that light comes on, he makes some big-time plays. He can collapse the pocket with strength. Um, I wrote down the last thing I wrote on him, which is probably the most important. I said if he refines his hand usage, he's going to have a big year. If he starts having some active hands like Wooden has, he's got more traits than Wooden to become a player in the SEC. But I agree with you. I don't like their usage of him. I'm guessing for Florida, I mean, you got this guy that's obviously very talented. He is getting bigger. And they're like, hey, we don't have a guy like this to play in the middle of the defense, so you're Mm -hmm. up. Where, you know, you go to a school, and it's Florida. Florida recruits well. But if you go to a school that's just swimming in D-line talent, this guy's probably an attacking three-tech. 
that even right, kicks out, right. plays four eye, yeah, five I tech would, sometimes. I would love for him to be an attacking yes. three tech. So, so I, I don't know who Florida's yeah. got on the roster who maybe I should be more familiar with my alma mater. I'm going to look it up right now to see. Because there's a whole new coaching staff, right? So it's not yep. it, it's not necessarily the guys who were placing him there before. Let's see if they have any sort of summer depth chart here. Do they? Uh summer depth chart on our lads has Dexter as a defensive tackle and they have a different player at nose tackle Desmond Watson I don't know who he is but there's hope just, I guess yeah there's hope. it reminded me a little bit of in a different way but like when Houston would play Logan Hall at shade nose and he was 6'6 about 280 for them and the difference is Logan Hall is not playing in the SEC so he would just run around blow up plays make things happen like for Dexter, it's like, man, he's a sophomore. He's 6'5, 300. I thought, I, once again, I don't think he was 300 pounds. He, he carries his weight really well. But like you said, he, he looked just, a lot closer to 295 does, than he yeah. looked at 318 or whatever they got. Yeah. Listed. So, uh, Ball of Clay, exciting player. I'm glad you had him at number five. I, he didn't make mine, but tough, uh, just a tough miss. Number four. Uh, yep. Yeah. Number four for me is uh, Jaqueline Roy from LSU. I believe this is somebody that you watched as well. He is number uh, four for me as well. So this is all right. Let's let's rock and roll. Six four two ninety seven, And man, 285 of those pounds is, is below the waist, brother. I mean, this guy's got a he's got that squatty body, that uh, thick lower half, and he knows how to generate power from it. So it's funny when you see a defensive tackle and you see sub 300 pounds, a lot of people initially react. Well, Wait, oh, you got him at you got him at 297. Yeah. Where'd you read that? Where'd you get 297? Did you get it for uh, you, you got sources? You got you got sources on it? Isn't that his listed? No. LSU bumped him up to 315, my guy. I have I had that somewhere then. I was wondering if you had some inside sources that uh that the school website might have been lying about the weight, which they I, do. Honestly, often. what I probably did was I probably shifted a cell like an idiot and have the have somebody <laughs> else's weight in his spot because I see a three fifteen right near his cell. Yeah. yeah so yeah. either okay. way, okay, well that makes a lot more sense because this dude is just once again, the first thing I wrote down generates power from that thick lower half. Bowling um yeah. he has this calling card, Trev, that I don't know if you caught on film. He hits the swim move in the A gap as much as anybody he loves in this class. It. He loves well, it. He, that's yeah, yeah. He hits the swim move in the A gap. He knows how to get skinny while hitting the swim move, so it works a lot. It it leaves guys in the dust. Kind of has that dancing bear where he's nimble on his feet for that mm -hmm. lower half weight. Uh, very wide guy. I wrote down uh, from Ultimate, he had 31 total pressures in 2021. So this is not just the big ugly down there, just containing, containing. They let him pin his ears back and go. Um, and he really, he made the most of it, which was really cool to see. He really made the most of it. He got the chance to attack a little bit. And you're not going to get to hear that about all these guys on my top five in the scheme they played in. Yeah. And, and he got consistent pass rush with not just winning with power, but that swim move and a little bit of finesse in his game. So... Uh, Roy, for me, is somebody that he looked really good on tape, and he's yet another guy in the SEC where so many of these talented defensive tackles are from. He was more than just a run stuffer. I loved what he can do when they let him shoot that A-gap. Yeah, I, I, and I would say that he's he, he's more of a pass rusher than he is a run stuffer, right? I thought and, so, too. And I think that's, that's where his best calling card is. When I look at the strengths and weaknesses that I have on here because I have him at number four as well, very first thing I wrote is a very impressive first step burst off the snap. 
Um, I, I think that he is, man, I mean, like he just knows how to fire off the ball. I, sometimes you could, you could pop on guys tape and you know, they're going to look, you know, they're just going to be different. You're in for, you're in for a treat of a watch when it comes to pass rushing and one gapping, because you can see how fast they get off the ball. And when you're a interior defensive lineman, I think it's, it's easier to see because you're often going up against bigger, more powerful, slower guys, but he definitely pops in that regard. And he definitely has an advantage. I think that the first step, is, is his calling card. It's his bread and butter. Uh, I think his initial pass rush move and contact, they're swift and strong. The hand swipe, the club, there is go, there is, uh, there is go twos. You mentioned the swim move, you know, when he's swiping the hands and he's bringing the arm over. I mean, that is, that's what he loves to do. He loves to get right up in you, attack one of those shoulders, get across yep. your face and just overwhelm you with how fast he can fire out of his stance. Now, the weakness that I have with Roy, and I'll say this, I really wanted to like this dude. Like, I really wanted to have him in my top three because the first step is that impressive. I just didn't think he had a pass rush plan way too often. I thought he was way too reliant on that first step of explosiveness to win him reps. And when it did not immediately win him the rep, he didn't really know what to do. The hands would kind of keep moving, but it, it it's just like it was it was kind of like he was working without a plan. He just he did not have enough of a plan. I don't think last year when he went into it. You mentioned you he loves to swim move. I mentioned how he loves to do the the, the club and he swim over and swipe with the hands. Like when he would go into it with a good plan, it would often work because he can get off the ball so quickly. But I felt like there were just too many times where he was like. All right, I'm just gonna shoot this gap and I'm go for the shoulder. And it's not even like he was going for the shoulder with a club rip rip move or trying to get underneath the arm or something like that. He would every now and then, but there were a lot of times where I'm like, oh man, hit the move. Like you had him there. And instead yeah. he just attacks the shoulder. He gets where he wants to be, but because he wasn't doing what he needed to from a pass rush move perspective, his blocker was able to recover get in front of them and then all of a sudden they're in a hand fight and the ball's out of the quarterback's hands so that was the biggest thing for me is, is he knows he's fast and that is a i think his first step is absolutely a gift and one that could be a difference making one at the pro level but he's got to go into it thinking okay my first step gives me a leg up on the guy who's about to block me. But Let's I've me gotta, dictate the rush. I've got to do more than that. I've got to yep. win the very first phase of the rush, like you were saying right there, but then I've got to do something to finish it. I've got to get around him, get into the pocket, get to the quarterback before those two, three seconds are up, and he gets the ball out of his hand. So that was really the big thing with me, and it it was it was unfortunate because I really did. I started watching Roy, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to like this dude. And I, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to have him in my top three for sure. But unfortunately, there were just too many reps that he was, I don't even want to say losing. He just wasn't winning the yep. way that I needed him to win those or the way that I believe he could. So that's an area that I, I'd love to see him get better at. I, I, I want to see right off the jump. I want to see more of a pass rush plan. And this too, when those moves don't work, What's your counter? What are you doing? Because I thought the lack of counters were even more glaring than the lack of initial pass rush because he could sometimes hit an initial move. But of those times where he really got locked up, it's not like I, I wouldn't say that he was like giving up on a lot of plays. I, like I said, it was just like it was a lot of hand motion. It was like you know, you're just like shadow boxing or like karate fighting, just like the hands are going everywhere. And uh, it wasn't as controlled, it wasn't as precise. Um, 
it wasn't as charted as it needs to be. So I think that's the big area that I want to see from him moving forward. Quietly, that'll be one of the most um, interesting units to watch this year because the draft eligible guys, they have uh, him, they have Ali Gay went back to school, BJ Ojolari is there. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of draft eligible talent. I believe they have an underclassman that played very, very well last year as well. Yeah, well, uh, Mason. I, uh, I hate that it's name? escaping my name. It's escaping my brain right now. What's his um, name? It's I'll Mason. pull it up in two seconds as I have Mason Smith. Mason Smith, yes. Mason Smith was a guy that had uh, four sacks as a, a younger player last year and, and did get some star. rush. Yeah, so... Insane. I mean, that's a unit that has a lot of talent, and it's going to be fun to watch them work together because, like I said, three of those guys are expected to be drafted, and then you brought up Mason Smith, who... Um, oh, and... Oh, uh, nope, that was it. Okay, so... <laughs> All right, was it, I, you, you were about I, to read, like... I sorted them in Ultimate and had... And had them sorted, and then all of a sudden a safety got in there, and I'm like, that guy's not playing on the Oh, so you just saw the grade? <laughs> I saw the, uh, no, I saw the the sacks and the quarterback hits. This oh, is a, okay. a DB that had, like, some numbers in that category, so I was like, what? No. So, okay, so that was a classic Trevor and Connor. Had the same guy at number four. I feel like Let's that happens a lot. I will have a clarifier here, and I'm curious if you agree. We're jumping into a totally different water right now from I, the last I would agree guys. I would agree with that yeah and, and you know what it's funny that you what you said about Jaquel and Roy how you this you're, you turned it on you're like I want to love this guy I thought he would be in the next tier after I watched I some too. of his big production and I, I don't think so at all so all right let's get into it number three uh and maybe this is a surprise because I know people love this player and there's a lot of things that I love too uh Brian Brzee oh from you did it you had the you had the stones to do what I didn't do and I mean, of course, it comes with the old, to be fair to Brzee being in this spot and not higher, is that he obviously had a season-ending injury last year mm -hmm. um, that cost him, you know, a, most of his season, where when you look at what he was able to do in terms of uh, the opportunity to get production, you know, he's somebody that just didn't have the same amount of snaps as a lot of these guys, and he's coming back from that injury. This is the number one overall recruit from the 2020 class. So mm -hmm. there have been mega expectations for this guy. He went, as on, went on the field, has looked really good. He is 6'5", 300 pounds, carries that weight very, very cleanly. He there looks is, thick. He looks, he looks great everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He Everywhere, you're right. There's no like, okay, you got to get stronger here or there. I wrote the combination of quickness and power is in a pretty unique tier with this guy that the fact that you have that kind of play strength, but you're also very quick off the ball or during the play and have the burst is you see why this is what number one overall recruits are made of, right? They possess athletic traits that most guys in the country don't. So Brazil has all of that. What I will say Total junkyard dog against the run. More than willing to do the dirty work. No problem mixing it up. No problem scratching, clawing, trailing plays from the backside. He'll do all of that stuff. So there is no, I was the number one recruit ego in this guy where mm -hmm. put me on the edge and I'm going to win one-on-ones and I want the sacks and I want the numbers. This guy will do all of the BS that the defensive staff there has asked him to do, which is a lot 
as we talked about Miles Murphy over and over again, a lot of read and react, a lot of contain, a lot of the not fun things that gets you off the field and wins you in football games. So the not fun things on first and second down that puts the opposition in third and long. So I want to make that very clear with him when you do watch the games that he has played in, why the stats might not be jaw-dropping, but they are good. Scheme-diverse player with an athletic build for multiple alignments up front. If you want this guy to be your three-tech, he could do that. If you want him to play five-tech, he could do that. If you want to kick him inside, uh, shade nose and nose on passing downs, he could do that. So Brzee, super talented, all things everybody already knew. I liked what I've seen on film. I just want to see him healthy, and I want to see him go from being a really a elite recruit that's been a good player to an elite college football player and NFL draft prospect. Uh, I have Brzee at number two. And I wasn't jazzed about it because the other player that I think both of us are going to mention. You wanted I, to do it. No, I, I did. I really wanted to do it because like, yeah. I think Brzee is a good player. But These three guys are good. Really good. I, I don't I don't know how much further I'd go to say that he's a good – I don't know. So, all right. He's 6'5". He's 300 pounds. He's the former number one overall recruit in the country. I mean, like his pedigree kind of like talks or speaks for itself. Tore his ACL after four games last year, so that's not ideal. Obviously, he needs to just show that he's healthy more than anything else. Here's the strengths and weaknesses that I have with him. Length on the interior presence presents unique advantages, being six foot five, 300 pounds, kind of the same thing as Gervin Dexter, right? When you have a guy who is six foot five, has that kind of leverage, as a zero or one technique player, or just lined up wherever you're going up against guards or centers, it's very unique. You don't have a lot of guards or centers that normally have the length, strength, speed ability to be able to handle that. And I think that um, Brzee just presents a very unique advantage in that way. He's a strong player whose pass rush profile is based around a bull rush and a club rip move. That's what he likes to do. That's his consistent go-to. One-on-one, he can really stand out with strength with really nice lower body drive, often pushing guys back into the pocket right in front of the quarterback. Covers ground very nicely when he's slanting and shooting gaps on the inside. Uh, Does a lot more slanting than the shooting of gaps. Weaknesses. He's got the body type of a defensive end, but he's playing nose tackle on the interior. You know, it was like, it was one of those things where it's it's the same thing with Dexter. I kind of understand why you're playing him at nose and one, one because you want to get that really unique length advantage, but he wasn't, I, he, I didn't think he was super impactful as what you want from a nose. Like you need a nose tackle player. I guess, I guess you don't need this. It depends what scheme you're running and how you want the, guys to really play with strength and weaknesses compared to the rest of the defense. But like Brzee gets blown back by double teams. Like he can't hold the point of attacking his double teams. He's six foot five, 300 pounds. And like, he's, he's strong, but it kind of goes back to like, I liked this player. I didn't love this player. And when you look at what Clemson asks him to do a lot, it's a lot of slants. Like it's a lot of stunts, dude. They're not all it is, right. They're not asking him to really do much. So I don't have a ton of pass rush development from him. This is kind of like a, it's a little bit like the Trayvon Walker scenario where you're just, you're just projecting how physically gifted this guy can be. Yep, into totally. into the NFL because you're not seeing it now. Brent Venables is no longer at Clemson, so I wonder what they're going to do with Brzee. If it's going to be the same role, if they're going to let him pin his ears back a little bit more, if it's going to be a little bit more traditional, I'm not sure. But when I was watching him before he got hurt last year, I'm like, I, this is a unique, clearly gifted player who's 
not making that much of an individual impact. I, I guess, you know, I, that's that's probably harsh because the whole point of what he was doing is he was opening up rushing lanes for other players, whether it be the linebackers or the defensive ends or whatever it was. And he, he's, he, he does a great job of slanting and stunting and things like that. I I just I couldn't I, put him at I I, I did not love him man I, I didn't yeah. love him I I really didn't and I I wish you know you put him at three I wish you put him at three but there's another guy that we're going to talk about that kind of has a little bit of, of of limitations and he has his own health problems as well that that we've got to talk about but for being a former number one overall recruit and a player who people told me consistently over the last year, oh, just wait till you watch Brian Brzee, just wait till you watch him. He is good. I'm not trying. I'm not in any way, shape, or form saying that he is a bad football player. But what they ask him to do has completely – what they ask him to do and where they play him on the defense has limited the way that I have to project him to the NFL. He's a good defensive lineman, but I'm not – I'm just not jazz. I'm not super jazzed about him. He's not like a guy that I have to have right now. So very intrigued to see how they play him and where they play him in this upcoming season. I just think that they never let him take over games. And that is so hard on an evaluator, right? Like we've been told for the longest time, this guy has the talent to be somebody that constantly takes over games. And right. they never put him in that spot where they were like, okay, right. you're the guy that's taking over the game. And, and some people would tell you, like, doing the dirty work in the middle and freeing up the rest of the team is taking over the game. And I hear you, but again, he's doing that in Clemson's defensive line scheme. If you're playing him at nose tackle in the NFL and he's going up against a power-blocking team in the middle, he's getting blown off the ball. Yeah. At least right now he is. So, I don't know. It's It's... A clearly a very talented player. I feel like I'm being too hard on the overall talent because talent is what matters most when you're talking about guys going from one level to the next. It's a former number one overall recruit. You've got to respect that. But I was certainly hoping to, I think that you put it beautifully there. I was hoping to see him take over series, not, not even full games. Yeah, not games. Games series. is unfair. Series, yeah. man. Like on a third down or a second down, like set the tone, go get the tackle in the backfield. And they just never let him do that. And he does not have the profile to do that right now because it's not what he's being taught to do. So just a very difficult uh, eval for me. So my number two, I, I thought the film was just, I had to have him at number two. I don't care what the consensus is. I don't care what the other rankings are, the hype, the recruiting. Uh, Siaki Ika, mm -hmm. the no tackle from Baylor. I mean... Who was formerly at LSU. Who was at LSU uh, and came over to Baylor for the 2021 season and was the newcomer in the Big 12 in that mm -hmm. conference, and he made a statement. I mean, one look at this guy, dude. He's 6'4". Uh, he's listed at 358 on Baylor's site. I have it on authority that authority that's a little, it's a little closer to 350. Uh, and that's a big difference. Like playing at 360 or playing at 350, I'd rather, I'd rather have, have the, I'd rather have him play at 350. Yeah, I don't know why they listed him at 358. I've heard that's not what he's what he's at right now. Who knows? Whatever. Uh, Baylor updated to closer to 350. So true zero tech. Like all the guys we've talked about were like, man, they get asked to play nose and shade nose, and it doesn't put them in the best spot. Mm -hmm. This dude, born right over nose. the center, an <laughs> absolute unit. He's the width of a door frame. He's a width of a hallway. True zero tech shade nose built like a freight train. He makes offensive linemen look small. Like, I, I don't know if I screenshotted the all 22s. Sometimes when he's 
near a guard or a center. It looks so funny. He makes them look like running backs. That's how big he is. Yep. Uh, surprising quickness considering the weight he carries. Trevor, I, it, it's crazy the way this guy moves for that size. It doesn't make any sense. He, You look at him and you go, and you look at where they line him up. If you just screenshot the end zone view of the All-22 and you're like, okay, Baylor wants this guy to two-gap. They want him to hold the point of attack. They want him to contain. They want him to stop the run. And if it's an obvious passing down situation, which we know happens in that conference a lot with the teams they play, maybe they'll let him push the pocket a little bit. No, this guy can do a lot of different things. He's very nimble on his feet when closing in on the pocket to finish plays. He understand, understands how to disengage blocks, get hands off of him. I saw a head fake and then to go cross face and turn into the pocket. He, it's really, really impressive the way he can torque his body at that weight, but he does have the strength of a traditional 350-plus pounder that plays nose tackle, where yep. when you ask him to be responsible, you ask him to contain, you ask him to hold the point of attack, he can do that. He can take on two blockers. He can redirect running backs to go yes. wide instead yes. of through the A and the B gaps. I love this player. I really, really do. I don't know exactly what led to his departure from LSU. And when I say departure, I don't like I'm not saying it kicked off like how he ended up at Baylor, but Baylor's defensive system has been awesome for guys going to the NFL. Look at last year's NFL draft. Look at this dude's film from 2021. Yeah, I think he baby. already has blossomed into an above average player that might even quietly be a star and has a legitimate chance to go in the first round next year. So I had him at number three. I had him um, right behind uh, Rissi. And no, I mean, you're, you're right. He, he's awesome. His projection is certainly a lot easier because you see the exact type of player that you want to see on film. You really do. And yeah, then you right. get those added advantages, right? At what is he? What, what was the height? What was the height for him? He's 6'4". He's 6'4", six, four. Six, four, 355 is kind of what I have him listed at here, okay? If that's the case, and the guy's playing nose tackle, you want to see him play nose tackle. Don't get moved off the ball. Be an anchor. Dominate with, in, with strength when you're one-on-one. Don't really lose ground when you're anchoring. You see all of that with him. He checks every single one of those boxes. And then you mentioned it. Sometimes he'll he'll hit you cross face. He'll hit you with a little move. He'll give you a club. He'll give you a swim. And you're like, hold up. What are we watching? The second coming of Vita Vey over here? Like, what what, what is this guy doing? And so... He gives you that plus advantage in the passing, uh, the pass rushing category as well. So he is certainly a lot easier to love. He's a lot easier to peg and say, this is why I'm drafting you. This is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to be able to give us. Now, he missed all of last season because he tore his triceps before the season. Um, and that's uh, not – wait, that was him, right? Or was it somebody else? Why am I thinking of somebody the else? The triceps was the guy that transferred to uh, Arizona. That was that was it. The yeah, Louisville yeah, yeah. Sorry, from sorry, Arizona sorry. State. Had that, on the, had that on the brain. So, um, yep. look, I think the disadvantages of him, thankfully, not that he has healthy triceps. Um, biggest issue with him is balance. Like, he played on the ground way more than I thought he should. And I get it. Like sometimes it's a technique. Sometimes when you're trying to get really low, sometimes when you're trying to maintain leverage, you go to, you go, you go down to the knee and you try to make sure that you're able to kind of, you're, you're still like forklifting somebody. And it's not the cleanest way to do it, but I understand why if you're getting in heavy fights in the, in the trenches, sometimes that happens, you can get down to a knee, but he has a handful of times where 
he's just getting pushed around. He's getting a little too low. He can't stay on his feet. And then he gets absolutely bowled over. Like he'll get pushed over. He'll get completely pushed to the ground. And that's got to, that's got to get cleaned up a little bit. We need you on your feet a little bit more. We can't have you playing on the ground. You're not really an asset to the defensive line when you're doing that. The short arms were a problem at times when it came to disengaging with blockers, right? He can hit a nice pass rush move on you. I love when he hits the rip. I love when he can get across the face. I love how he's using his lateral quickness and his first step explosiveness there. But there are other times where, you know, he's getting into a he's getting into a bear fight with an with a with a trench player and the short arms just kind of show up for him. I think he's got a little bit shorter arms than somebody that you normally see with with somebody who is six four. At least that's something that I wrote down. That's something that I saw from the film. So Look, I, I really like this player for exactly what you think he's going to be. And I, I think that that makes his projection very easy. I think a lot of people are going to watch him during summer summer scouting, and they're going to come away very, very impressed, just like we were here. I'd be shocked if he wasn't in most people's top three because, like I said, you see the weight, you see the size, you see the role, you see where they're positioning him. You go, okay, this is what I want to see. You see that, and then you get to see even more when he gives you the uh, the pass rush flashes. So uh, Siaki Ika is uh, from Baylor. It is definitely somebody that you guys need to know and get some eyes on. I think that this is a position that teams are struggling to find. And what I say that means, like you look at the – Contract the Jaguars just gave a guy like Foley Fadukasi that is a true nose tackle, but does not have much pass rush ability. When I look at Ika, he's somebody that can be a true nose tackle, but the fact that you can keep him on the field on passing downs, it might be his calling card to, okay, I'm not just a rotational player that traditionally goes in the third round of the NFL draft, the fourth round of the NFL draft. I can be yeah. a first round player because of that impact ability. All right. I'm um, really glad we both like him. Cannot wait to watch that Baylor defense fly around again this year. Number one, dude. I, I mean, is there any Absolutely surprise? Absolutely no question about it. Absolutely no. no debate about this. So I made a mistake. I started this exercise by watching Jalen Carter. Brother, I thought the same exact thing. The same exact thing. Honestly, I started to watch Brian um, Brian Brzee's, yeah his his tape after Jalen Carter's, and I, I was do. like, I was like, man, I don't like this guy at all. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm like, hold on, wait, wait, wait. is it? I, it's, I think it's just because I watched Jalen Carter because Jalen Carter is truly an alien among us. That interior defensive linemen should not be able to play the way that Jalen Carter does. He is, if he, if he was in last year's draft class, he'd be a top five player, no doubt about it. Right? Right? Oh, easily. He would have been a top five player, no question about it. The only reason that Jalen yeah, Carter easily. is not suiting up for your NFL team this year. Oh, easily. Is because... One, your NFL team probably wouldn't have been picking high enough. And two, just because he was a sophomore. That's yep. it. That's it. He was, his film, I'll let you, I, I cut you off here to freak out. And no, 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 you're okay. Jalen Carter, but uh, he was unbelievable, man. I thought that when I watched his film, I was blown away. So he's from the same area in Florida as Warren Sapp. So he's a kind of been, maybe. He, yeah, so he's been getting that uh, his entire life. And 
while normally you would say about anybody, like, don't do that to a kid, this guy's going to challenge, like, he's going to push to be, to try to live up to that. He's yep. that good of a prospect right now. Yep. Former four-star and was a top 15 recruit nationally. So when you hear that he's a four-star, you're like, oh, wow, I'm surprised he's not a five-star. He was a top 15 recruit overall in the country. So probably one of those fringe guys. Um, probably weightlifting and basketball background. So this isn't a dude that, like, got to school and they're like, okay, now you're going to be on a college lifting program. He's been competitive weightlifting for a while, and you could see it. He's got an inc- excellent frame, excellent strength, plays with tremendous balance, Trevor. He, I know we talked about it with Ika, with Carter, never on the ground. No. Nope. And can get pinballed by a guard and a center. And when I say pinballed, a guy that he runs into a lot of blocks, whether it's slide blocks or whether it's double teams or uh, help in pass pro, never phased, never phased by it all. Just kind of pinballs around that way. He can turn the corner at the top of the rush. Like, no 300-pounder, for people listening to this, getting Stupid. into scouting. You, when you look at a, a guy trying to turn the corner, I don't want to use the term necessarily bend, because I think that kind of indicates, like, torquing your, contorting your body. But turn the corner, turn your body, ankle flexion. You if you, you could, like, fire your hips, like, completely, yeah, yeah. completely flip your hips from your one hips. spot to another while doing a move, yeah. Two, three, 300 pounders, that's not like on the checklist, okay? No. That's not even a thought. This no. guy can do it. He can turn the corner into the pocket. Swim moves offensive line, trying to gain low. So he's so strong, right? Offensive linemen try to cheat a little bit with him, and they try to get under him for leverage, and he just breaks a swim on them right over him. He's incredibly intelligent incredibly intelligent he's very sharp pre-snap he often diagnoses if it's going to be a run or a pass throughout the game he starts to diagnose whether it's going to be what the offensive lineman is trying to do like i just previously said gaining leverage and cheating a little bit low on him then he'll play high he's he's kind of like watching a heavyweight boxer that lets the fight drag on a little bit and will counter punch throughout the game and he's just so intelligent he can do both against the run. He could shoot gaps if they want him to shoot gaps. He can hold the point of attack and control if they need him to control. Uh, the last thing I wrote down, just rare stop and start for someone that large. He's, he's different. He's a different dude. This is one of the easiest evals I've ever done. This, this it, Jalen Carter and what comes to mind is I watched Quentin Nelson. I watched like three games of Quentin Nelson back when he was at Notre Dame, and I'm like, yeah, it's just uh, all, like better all, than everyone else. All, all pro player. I mean, what, what, like, what do you want? This is, this is. He checks quite literally every box that you would want. I'm not saying that Jalen Carter is a perfect prospect, but this is the easiest. Yep, this guy's going to be good in the NFL that I may, may have ever done. I mean, for him to not make it in the NFL is just going to be some act of God at that point. Like, I just he has been on the pathway for such a long time. He had 34 pressures last year on just 264 pass rushing snaps. Okay. 90 elite pass rush grade, the highest of any defensive tackle in the country. And that is a true sophomore that is able to do that. Strengths, elite movement skills for an interior player. 
extremely rare, especially when he is moving laterally. He can cross the face of interior offensive linemen in the blink of an eye. Power at the punch is very strong and very violent when performing any sort of push-pull, getting hands on the offensive linemen. Violent and quick swim move as well that could be a go-to and a deadly one in the NFL. There is so much to love about Jalen Carter, whether it's the build, whether it's now the experience, already the production success, the athletic gifts that could say that the ceiling is even higher for him. The one, the only real weaknesses I have to his game are the hands could be a little bit more controlled at times, specifically when he is trying to swipe, when he's just trying to swipe the hands and disengage from the offensive line. And I've noticed that sometimes the hands can be all over the place. When he's doing some of those other moves that you, you mentioned, He's pretty precise with it. You mentioned how intelligent he is as a rusher, and I agree with you. But I think that sometimes when he's going for a swipe specifically, the hands can be a little all over the place. It's almost like he's just trying to do it too fast, too violent, and he just needs to be a little bit more controlled in it. Um, also notice that the hands can be a little bit low at times. Uh, it feels like he does this when he's trying to look casual or mysterious to the offensive lineman and – like not let them know what his next move is going to be, but he doesn't need to do that. It, it's kind of like he'll fire off the ball at the snap and his hands will just be kind of like down near where his hips are because he's almost like looking at the interior offensive lineman and saying, Oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Because he knows he's that fast. He knows he's that violent. He's that strong that he could basically have the offensive lineman crapping in their pants when he has that element of surprise where he's not giving anything away. But you don't totally have to do that. You know, you can still do that with the hands up, chopping the hands, having them more in an engaged position to be able to hit some sort of move, do exactly what you want, hit a club rip, swipe the hands away, hit a swim move, whatever it is. The hands can just be a little bit higher. They don't have to be that low for you to maintain that element of surprise and what your next move is going to be. And honestly, man, that's all I got for him. This is truly one of the most gifted interior defensive linemen I've ever scouted. Um, and just an incredibly easy eval because you watch two games of this guy. I I, I watched three for Jalen, but yep. you watch two games of him and you go, yep, that's an NFL player playing in a college football program. And that's kind of the way that I see Jalen Carter. I would be shocked if this is not a top five, maybe not even, maybe even top three overall pick when it comes to next year's draft. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I just think that, like you said, he's ready to play in the NFL today. He absolutely, when you kind of stack up this class, like you always get surprise players, right? But as we get pretty deep into the summer scouting, you kind of feel like Will Anderson and Jalen Carter sitting in the top five right now, and they're just not going to leave. It's it's You don't want to get too far ahead, but you just, something... They're just so ready to go mm -hmm. with how they win and how they dominate in the mm -hmm. SEC. Uh, and it's it's a fun change because we obviously really haven't – we didn't have guys like that last year. I mean, Aiden was really good, but Aiden also took a massive leap from last summer to this throughout the season. Like, these right. guys – right. They're, they've arrived already, dude. Yep, they're already here. Like I said, if they could have been, if they could have declared for the draft last year, they would have. Both of these guys would have been top ten picks easily, easily, easily. would have been. I mean, Will Anderson, Will Anderson clearly would have been the number one overall pick in last year's draft, and Jalen Carter probably would have been the number two overall pick right after Will Anderson. So these are two guys that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, would, I mean, yeah. When you watch them, they're better than than Trayvon Walker 
was as a prospect. Not to do right. the old let's kill Trayvon Walker for the millionth time. No, no, it's honest. Just, like, yeah, if, like I'm, I'm just saying. The people, films, they're all playing the same games. They're playing next to each other. Exactly, right. Right and there. You, you, I think you'd clearly rather have uh, rather have Jalen Carter than any of them. So, uh, all right, anybody outside of your top five that you wanted to give a shout out to? Um. Well, no, because I already did the, uh, I already talked about Dexter. Yep. I know you briefly mentioned Jermaine Lowell. I want to make sure I'm saying his last name right. Thanks, but so. I believe so. He, he transferred from Arizona State to Louisville. Uh, he's the one that had the triceps yes. injury that ended his season. He's an interesting player because he's he's a very compact player playing on the defensive line. He's one of those more Grady Jarrett-type shorter mm-hmm. uh, defensive linemen. So he's somebody people should keep an eye on. But the... That was the; those were the main ones on on today's show that I thought were worth a a preseason mention. I also watched Jacob Slade from uh, from from Michigan State. It's, uh, what I'm going to read the official measurements here, yeah. so so I get it right. Six foot four, three hundred fifteen pounds, former three star dude. Hey, look, he's just a solid interior defensive lineman. Like like this is this is a guy who I think is going to get drafted in the mid rounds of the NFL draft, and he's just going to be a solid backup rotational spot kind of a big strength defensive tackle he understands he understands why he's on the team right eat double teams be strong be an anchor open things up for other players and he's got a little bit of pass rush to him but you know that his his bread and butter in the nfl is just going to be one of those rotational bodies that you could throw in the trenches that are just really is able to hold the point of attack for you so he's just one of those true understands what his role is as an interior defensive lineman and i think that can have a long career in the nfl it really can like you, you could play for a long sure. time even if you're not a star at the defensive level so i uh, wanted to give out a shout out to uh to jacob slate as well yeah so this is a group that you know hasn't been uh really that deep wasn't really that deep last year and i think that obviously now we have a star talent at the top of this one a guy like brzee that you hope makes that jump and mm-hmm. you know obviously I, we really like Ika as well so this group this group has a few guys like you said with Slade that you know they just do their job and a lot of the work of being a three tech can can be not pretty at times but that's the nature of the position yep some some nice players in this class and an absolute all world unicorn that's at the very top of it in Jalen Carter. So there we go. That those are our top fives for the interior defensive line going into the preseason there. That's it for this episode, which means the next time you guys hear our voice, it will be part two of the expansion series that we are doing. Again, if you missed part one, go back and listen to Monday's episode uh, where we kind of set the stage for an NFL expansion team. We list all the protected players that we go through in the NFL uh, that are currently there. And then next Monday, we are drafting from the guys that are left, the guys that are available. It's one player from every team that wasn't protected. We've got to stay cap compliant, so there's a little bit of strategy there. And then, of course, we're going to shout out you guys as teams that you build from now until then anyways. Uh, thank you so much for already doing that. I know we're going to get a lot more between now and then, so I'll just uh, preemptively say love you guys. Thank you so much for caring so much about this little project. It's made it so much fun for us. Can't wait to cap it off with Episode 2 on Monday. I'm Trevor. That's Connor. This has been the NFL Stock Exchange. We'll see you guys then.